BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Fire crews continue to try to build a containment line on the eastern part of the Caldor Fire. The blaze is burning in the Sierra foothills east of Sacramento and is moving towards the Lake Tahoe Basin. Here's Cal Fire Operations Chief Eric Schwab talking about that containment line. It's not big enough and we're not ready to burn off of that. It needs a lot of lot more preparation, but the fire is challenging that area right now and uh, we are engaged in an active firefight to try and maintain this as a salvageable point of control for us. Although the fire continues to move east, it is still more than 10 miles from the South Lake Tahoe region. El Dorado County Sheriff Sergeant Eric Palmberg says no evacuation orders or warnings are in place for that area at this time. The entire South Lake Tahoe Basin, we have been under discussions with law enforcement, with fire personnel. There is plenty of planning. We are going to keep the community safe. The Caldor Fire has burned more than 126,000 acres and destroyed more than 460 homes. Meanwhile, crews continue to get a better handle on the massive Dixie Fire, also burning in Northern California. That blaze has now burned more than 733,000 acres. Containment now stands at 43%. Many residents who were forced to evacuate their homes by the fire have been allowed back this week to assess any damage the blaze may have caused. The Caldor Fire, meanwhile, has also created the worst air pollution levels in North America. According to the air quality monitoring service IQ Air, the top 10 cities with the worst air quality in the country right now are all in Placer and El Dorado counties in Northern California and Washoe County in Northern Nevada. But there might be some relief on the way, as winds are forecast to start shifting tomorrow. Seth Morphis is an air resources advisor for the Caldor Fire. The winds in the northern component are not forecasted to be as strong, and we'll also have the ridge uh, component, which has a tendency to serve as a lid on a frying pan and hold that smoke down closer to the ground. So I don't think that we'll be as clear as we were about a week ago, but the northerly component, northeast component, may help some. Several upcoming events in Lake Tahoe have been canceled due to the poor air quality, and the smoke from the fire has triggered air quality warnings hundreds of miles away here in Southern California. 
As climate change worsens, state regulators charged with overseeing development along the San Francisco Bay have a new roadmap for flood protections. KQED climate reporter Ezra David Romero explains. With 101 cities and nine counties in the region, the plan calls for bay-wide collaboration. The plan, dubbed Bay Adapt, identifies at least more than a dozen hotspots from Napa down to San Jose that could flood. Scientists predict the bay will rise by nearly 2 feet by 2050 and 7 feet by the end of the century. Dana Breckwald with the Bay Conservation and Development Commission says the plan values carrots or incentives over rules or sticks. But we have stated that, you know, we think that it's a good idea for the region to explore what more sticks might look like. One potential stick, expanding the state's oversight further than 100 feet from the shoreline. The agency is asking for feedback on the plan over the next month. For the California Report, I'm Ezra David Romero. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Let's turn to a snapshot of the ongoing gubernatorial recall election and some of the issues being raised. At an event yesterday in downtown Los Angeles with a homeless encampment as a backdrop for cameras, Republican recall candidate Kevin Falconer, who's the former mayor of San Diego, talked about what he would do about homelessness if elected. One solution Faulkner discussed with the California report, getting tougher on homeless people who are offered housing assistance but don't accept it. People are dying. We have to intervene and get people off the streets now. When you say intervene, Mr. Faulkner, is that like another word for institutionalization and forcing people to get treatment or get mental health services if they don't want to? We intervene to say you cannot live on a sidewalk. You cannot put a tent in front of somebody's house, in front of somebody's small business. But if they don't want to go, what do you do? We don't give them that choice. You don't give them that choice. What does that mean? We we intervene. Uh, We would have warnings. We would have citations. But at the end of the day, if somebody continued to refuse, we would take that tent and say, you can't be here. 
We also talked to Faulkner about criticism facing one of his recall opponents, fellow Republican and conservative talk radio host Larry Elder. In recent days, Elder has been criticized for misogynistic comments he's made. A former fiancé has also accused him of being verbally and emotionally abusive and brandishing a gun during an argument. Faulkner says Elder's history, along with his hard right views on many social issues, could threaten the wider effort to recall Newsom from office. Well, I think those views have no place. They're backward, they're wrong, and I think it absolutely hurts what we're trying to do, which is to turn this state around. Do you think Larry Elder is too extreme for this state? Oh, I, I think when you have views like that, that's absolutely extreme. That is not who we are as Californians, and I think it shows that he doesn't have the judgment and the character, let alone uh, the experience, to run this state and to bring people together and make positive change. Again, that's gubernatorial recall candidate Kevin Faulkner. For his part, Elder has denied the allegations made by his ex-fiancee, saying they're an attempt to, quote, distract voters. He also picked up an endorsement from Gloria Romero, who was the former Democratic leader in the state Senate from 2001 to 2008. Romero, a supporter of charter schools, cited Governor Newsom's decision on schools during the pandemic as the main reason why she's voting to recall him. And Assemblyman Kevin Kiley also picked up an endorsement from former recall candidate Doug Osey, who recently dropped out of the race due to health concerns. Republican recall candidates John Cox, Faulkner, and Kiley will be joined in Sacramento tonight by Democrat Kevin Pafrith for a recall debate. Governor Newsom, Elder, and Caitlyn Jenner all declined to participate. California Republicans were ecstatic in 2003 when voters ousted Democratic Governor Gray Davis and replaced him with a Republican and movie star, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And California has given me absolutely everything. And today, and today, California has given me the greatest gift of all. You've given me your trust by voting for me. Thank you very much to all the people of California for giving me the great trust. Now, with another recall election this September 14th, the state GOP is hoping to do it again. But was Schwarzenegger's tenure ultimately a win for the party? KQED politics correspondent Marisa Lagos has this look back. It wasn't just Davis's unpopularity or Schwarzenegger's Hollywood status that propelled the former actor to victory in 2003. Schwarzenegger capitalized on his position as an outsider, promising to blow up boxes and upend business as usual in Sacramento. He pledged to repeal the so-called car tax and balance the state's budget, but not raise other taxes. Former Republican Assemblyman Sam Blakesley took office around the same time as Schwarzenegger. It's kind of hard to imagine the enthusiasm that everyone felt having someone like Governor Schwarzenegger, uh, the Terminator, show up and claim he was going to fix the state, he was going to clean house, and he was going to restructure government so it worked more like a business. Blakesley, who eventually became the Assembly Republican leader, says it wasn't just Republicans who were excited, though. I remember talking to lobbyists and fellow Republicans and even Democrats who were genuinely excited to see what he could get done. At the beginning of his tenure, says former Schwarzenegger Communications Director Rob Stutzman. The party did consolidate around him for, for quite a while. But governing is different than campaigning, and Schwarzenegger soon found himself faced with a massive budget deficit, in part because he repealed that car tax. In his first year, Schwarzenegger had political wind at his back and managed to convince voters to borrow $15 billion to close the spending gap, 
But one year later, when he tried to go around the state legislature with another series of ballot measures, voters resoundingly rejected a package that, among other things, would have curbed state spending and weakened public employee unions. After losing that ballot fight, Schwarzenegger brought more powerful, experienced Democrats into his administration, including a new chief of staff. That was the point when a lot of Republicans broke with Schwarzenegger. Blakesley says the governor listened to those Democratic advisors. And Arnold embraced their perspective, and a lot of Republicans were aghast and you know, deeply confused because they literally thought they had voted for and had one type of governor at the top of the ticket and woke up the next day and found out he was someone altogether different. Budget fights with both parties in the state legislature would color Schwarzenegger's entire tenure. But another former Republican assembly leader during that time, Connie Conway, says she saw his willingness to listen to all sides as one of his major strengths. Conway credits Schwarzenegger for raising up the voices of minority Republicans during budget negotiations. I always appreciated the fact that I feel that Governor Schwarzenegger was inclusive. Everybody's opinion did matter. And uh, I mean, it was it's part of his DNA, I think. Still, Stutzman says that after Schwarzenegger won re-election in 2006 and reneged on a campaign promise not to raise taxes. At that point, I think Republicans were getting frustrated. And two of his crowning achievements may have undercut an already waning Republican Party in California. First, in 2008, he wrote a ballot measure that took legislative redistricting powers away from lawmakers and put them in the hands of an independent commission. Then in 2010, as he prepared to leave office, Schwarzenegger backed a ballot measure that ended party primaries in California and allowed the top two candidates to move on to the general election, meaning neither party has a guaranteed spot in the runoff. If you want to make sure the lines are fair and you, if your goal was to make sure that the election was determined by as many voters as possible, Republican and Democrat, then that was a success also. That's Alan Zarenberg, CEO of the Cal Chamber. He says the initiative did what Schwarzenegger and other backers wanted. They opened the door to electing more centrist politicians. Stutzman also sees those measures as a win because they strip power from both parties. And says Schwarzenegger achieved other victories, like reforming workers' comp. By and large, I'd put Arnold up there, uh, his Republican governor record, with, with just about any Republican governor we've had. As of today, he's also the last GOP governor California has seen. For The California Report, I'm Marisa Lagos. And that is The California Report for Wednesday, August 25th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day and talk tomorrow. Support for The California Report comes from the law firm Perkins Coie, a trusted legal advisor to innovative companies and industry leaders throughout California and the world. Learn more at PerkinsCOIE.com. Paint Care, now with 800 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at PaintCare.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. 
New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.